The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. Everyone has their own way of sense-making of the world. We all have an experience, and then we have a sense-making moment where we make sense of our experience. And then we articulate that in different ways. And what I've learned to trust is that his way of articulating is, is, is right, or her way of articulating is right, because that's just the way they do their sense-making. And then why wouldn't I do the same for me and say, okay, this is how I make sense of the world. And, and let's, let me tell you, I, I didn't trust my experience for the first 30 some odd years of my life, 35 maybe. It's a wonderful chaos, random, messy and glorious. Solo or tandem? We work to find rest, fight to find peace, both head and the heart. So for today's show, <laughs> we have trusting your experience. It's, it were, it's a funny thing. <laughs> we're going to discuss this funny thing on a wonderful chaos. <laughs> Hi. Hey. So today is about trusting your experience. Now, like wh- when I see that title, I'm yeah. thinking intuition. Is it, or is oh, it something, right? or is it something that I've <sighs> that I've lived through? Oh, that's or it, good. Or is it the gut feeling? Like uh, as I as I'm like yesterday's show, mm. for example. Yeah, I was I was having an experience and I couldn't put words to it. Yeah, this is really interesting. When Andy says that, it means we're gonna go deep. Uh, so when I say trusting your experience, you know, I always on the show, there'll be, I always say there's five or six things I needed to shift and who I was and how I behaved to make peace in myself. Yeah. And one of those things was trusting my experience. And then when I say trusting my experience, one might say, oh, um, isn't that obvious? Or it might be like a platitude, trust your experience, but it was an, a felt experience. It is a felt experience. It's a feeling. Well, I don't want to say it's a feeling. I'm, I'll tell you why I say it. It's like, oh, that's what life feels like when you trust your experience. So I t- I'll give you examples just so. That's what life feels like when you trust your okay. experience. Yeah, that's what life. Oh, and that's what life feels like when you don't trust your experience. Okay, give example. So um, when I didn't trust my experience and I met someone who was very, very well-educated, he had very good arguments or he or she had very good arguments, I would lose myself in things that they said because they were so convincing that I'd say, wow, they seem to understand or know something I don't. Mm. And then maybe uncertainty would come up Hopefully, curiosity would come up because that would allow me to learn from them. But in general, what it would happen is it would undermine the confidence I'd have in my own experience. So in a way, giving your agency. That's the best word. 
Okay. So I so what I what I started to and you often will talk and you know um, when someone says Andy, have you read this book? Do you know this person? I like know no one really, very few. Like and if I do, it's like I act like I know them, like a Deepak Chopra or like that Gary V. Gary V. Whatever it is that you know, I'm Gary. like, oh yeah, you're Pete. The people you, but I mean, I don't really follow them or read their books. And I think I've always said there's a reason is that in a way. I see everyone has their own way of sense-making of the world. We all have an experience, and then we have a sense-making moment where we make sense of our experience, and then we articulate that in different ways. And what I've learned to trust is that his way of articulating is, is, is right, or her way of articulating is right, because that's just the way they do their sense-making. Yeah. And, and then why wouldn't I do the same for me? And say, okay, this is how I make sense of the world. Hmm. And then say, and there's a caveat to that, knowing that it's always limited. <laughs> hmm. So in that way, I've, I think I've told you, I trust that everything I do is a working assumption. It just, it's what I know best, given what I know. And if I know more, I'll change you know, it's funny. Sometimes you and I will talk and I won't have the whole context and I'll and I'll say, oh, Bambos, I would do this. And I would make the suggestions. Yeah. And then you'll give me another detail. And I say, scrap everything I just said. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and, and so the whole thing is holding is, it lightly. Yeah. You hold it lightly because it's all about the ability to adapt to the, the new context you've created. OK, nice. And so when I say trust your experience, I guess what I and, and let's let me tell you, I, I didn't trust my experience for the first 30 some odd years of my life, 35, maybe. I just didn't. Until Case died. I, he, I love that you said it that, that I love you said that until Case died before Case died. Just before Case died. Just before Case died. So when I say all that, is there when I talk about it in terms of a felt experience, is there things that come up for you? I can only talk about the most recent thing was uh, me and Andy were on a podcast yesterday. Okay, and- let's qualify this. Let's let's give a context for this. Okay. Yesterday, Bambos and I were invited on somebody else's show. Yes. And we were invited on their show and we had the person who we knew, who we'd already had contact with, and he invited a second party to come and interview us in that in that dialogue. Yeah. So there was one person who kind of knew us and another person who didn't know us at all. And then that was what we went into yesterday. So please. Yeah. Well, the, the individual that we didn't know, it was, it, for me, it was very strange. Uh, so mm. the way I can articulate it was we were, we were introducing something and then the individual would not even acknowledge what was just being said. Mm-hmm. And then he would start talking about something completely like if, if you had circles which um, connect um, his circle will be up here. There was nothing. Um, he didn't ask a follow-up question to anything that had been said. Or what? Well, it doesn't have to be a follow-up question. It can also just be a follow-up uh, experience that he has, which connects to what we yeah, already yeah, yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So the feeling was, was that... I've, I was like, I had a, like a moment inside me like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> 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 like, like, yeah. like something was... It was like there was a puzzle and you're trying to put the piece in, but it's not fitting. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Okay. So, so 
obviously I had this, not obviously, but we discussed it afterwards. I had the same experience. Yeah. How we live the experience. Completely different. I would suggest is different because of the theme of the show. That's what I'm telling you right now. So the theme of the show or the, the, the main topic is trust in your experience. Yeah. So now I had had this experience with the same man. I had, I was, I was even writing some notes down to you about what, what I was laughing at. You didn't even realize it until afterwards. Yeah. And, and my, my thought was, so I now know that the individual that we're interacting with is not meeting us in what we're saying. That's an observation. It's not a judgment of this individual. There's no, so what I now know is, oh, from my experience, I know that trying to engage them to see me or understand or see a different way would be only required if I wanted something from him. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not my show. It's that person's show. They define how we want it. So I, very early on in the show, I mean, I, I look back at some of the clips at myself and kind of laughed because I was just sort of like dazed and looking like, oh, where are we going? Just sort of, you know, kind of drawing a little note here, like because there was no meeting us in anything that was being said. So there wasn't a dialogue. It was an interview, right, which we're not usually used to. Was it an interview? It, I mean, I missed that part. It, well, listen, if I list if I list 10 questions in a row and whatever you answer to the first question, I just ask the second question, then that is for me more of an interview format right i don't uh, like i need to watch it again oh, okay. but I, I guess i don't remember that there were questions oh could be yeah i i felt that there was more everyone sharing whatever was coming up for them uh-huh you know what comes up for me like um it felt a little bit like a school when we're kids and like the kids want to show themselves yeah and it felt like a, almost a little bit like oh i am this oh, oh yeah he that. wanted to present more of himself than than showcase what you and i were doing i guess so in, in a way it, it kind of for me it missed the point of us even being there yeah there was some of that of course i actually like what bolalang who as we know always has something interesting to say he prepared an interview that he felt that you are derailing Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, you had (laughs) nailed it. You nailed it. Because remember, I don't know if Bolalong saw the interview, because if he did, it would be. He probably did. And if he saw it, he's like, he probably, (laughs) you know how good he is. Because remember when he asked me, you know, that the question that I loved, that I laughed at all day today, Andy, what's your favorite question? And then, and then, and I thought to myself, I don't have a favorite question. I wouldn't ask a favorite question. Then I thought, oh, I remember just because we released the podcast with the woman who was a dwarf. And I said, well, I mean, I can give you an example of a question I love. Like the woman came on, she had dwarfism. And the first question was, when did they diagnose you with the disease? Right. (laughs) And I mean, and, and the thing was, it was just such a, and I explained afterwards how the levity and the pure joy and the, and the happiness that, and, 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 and what's created through that in our interaction. And I was just trying to get to the point that there's a lightness to life. And I could see that he had a challenge to understand what that might look like because that's not how he uh, navigates these sort of things. It's just a different way of being. Yeah. But I mean, as Bambo said, in a weird way, me answering that way didn't didn't give him what he needed to continue with that interview. Yeah. Because if I gave a, an answer that was more... Um, 
I see there's three things that are critical when asking a question. It should be relevant, it should be interesting, and it should have a quality that we both might discover something new. So what's your relationship with your penis? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that would be the way that we'd ask it. That would have been the way that would have been more parochial, more, more didactic, I guess would be the word. So um, yeah, we weren't, we weren't easy to interview. No. Well, I, I think you're very easy to interview. I think, it, I think I was the. the kind well, of... we didn't, we, st we, we didn't segue. The best part of the whole interview was the end. <laughs> I wish we could play it back. Well, you probably could. <laughs> because the one thing I love about you <laughs> is that sometimes you like you're not filter filter is like create some of the most best cringeworthy moments for me. <laughs> you're a fucking asshole. I love you. When Bambo's sort of at the end of our thing and the one individual, because you were quiet and I tried to bring you in and it wasn't, there wasn't, it just didn't work. No. And then, um, and then they asked you at the end of the show, well, what, well, basically there was one interesting question that they interrupted your thinking. I thought, let, let give you some more time. The first question was, was, what was the question? It was if there was one thing you could tell people that would help improve their lives, what would it be? I think that was the question they asked you or something weird like that. You, you don't even remember that. No. That was a question. And then there was a long pause and you didn't answer that question. And then he said, well, tell me what was your experience of the hour? Oh, it was funny. The, um, like when I received that question, mm. I became five years old again. Wow. I, I just remember being bullied by my parents to to participate in whatever was happening in the family. And I think in that moment, that question, because I, I wasn't participating in the interview, I felt a bit left out. And all of a sudden, I need to be part of it. And I think if I was more sincere and genuine, I, I, like the tears would would have been in place as opposed to me saying to him, I was really triggered by the way you were in during this uh, interview. And it's so funny that behind that comment actually was just me not showing vulnerability. Hmm. And as I speak that and, and just discovering it is like, I don't think the space could have held that, but that wouldn't be my problem, right? Yeah, I'm just, I've, I can see I got tears in my eyes now from hearing what you just said. Because, you know, obviously this is the thing we've discussed for several weeks or months now. You know? Hmm. So I, I, I kind of, I don't know, for the first time, I kind of saw you at the table and now feeling like this is kind of that table again in a way. Mm. So when I'll be inviting you to speak on the show or whatever it is I'm trying to do in some weird way, sometimes you'll shut down to that and I kind of see, oh, it's, it feels like I, I'm the mom asking dad. or dad saying participate, participate, participate. Yeah. Mm. And you'll react to it sometimes aggressively, right? Like almost not, it's a passive aggressive. It's not an active aggressive. It's more like a don't, don't force me to do something that I don't want to do feeling. Yeah. Wow. Like 
just slow down a sec. Sorry, I just am feeling I'm feeling a lot now. There's there's a lot of pieces that feel like they're falling into place for me at the moment, where I haven't seen you. Mm. I, I saw the behavior, but I didn't understand what was really going on, and I'm just realizing that now. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry I didn't see you all that time. I guess on our journey, we're just discovering, right? I, I'm sorry I didn't see you all that time. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's so easy just to say, oh, you're shutting down, and then it becomes a, a kind of a caricature. You know, I hate caricatures. We'll use them to play to maybe promote or get people to join us. But once you make a caricature of the, the person, then it's really hard to see what's underlying it. You know, making light of it doesn't give you a chance to have as much compassion. Hmm. So um, I see that there, there was the, the observing the behavior, but not as much compassion for where, where it was coming from, potentially, yeah. It feels like I also enabled it in a way because I felt the more you poked and, and the more I would shut down or the more, like in a way, my, my, my journey and my self-reflection would be letting push you to the point that you, you're forced to laugh at it because it, it, it is also a part of me and, and it needs to be celebrated. Yeah. Needs. I mean, I, I desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's an old pattern as well. Though. And of course, a pattern between the two of us, because I'm coping with the behavior and making light of it. So because I also have this idea, how do I integrate it into what we're doing here? Yeah. Um, but if I, if I just if I just sit and just feel into it, I'm like, yeah. I mean, uh, we've always laughed because there was the initial shows we would do where we get people that were more intellectual and then I'd see that obviously those are the people you weren't sensually connecting with, right? From your sensual. Yeah. At first, and then that, that wouldn't necessarily have been a problem if you weren't judging them when we started. We're, we're talking, you know, who, past. past, yeah. Um, and then it evolved from there. But what I, what I now am starting to see more and more of is this is often you being at that table, the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah birthday actually it was birthday yeah uh, and what was that like oh center of attention and being forced to uh show up in a certain way and as a six seven year old i couldn't uh um perform what was needed so it, it didn't really end well for me just if you feel comfortable what what would help me understand what that would look like um, a lot of guests it's my birthday I'm six years old and it's overwhelming for me uh -huh. so I remember I'm in my room I don't want to really go downstairs and, and be part of this and I, I can't piece the whole picture but I, I do remember there was a beating and then I I did come down with tears in my eyes and I had to blow the candles and 
you were forced to fill the role that your parents needed to so they'd feel like whatever their obligations to the people that came. Yeah. Wow. So. Hmm. It's hard for me to talk about this because it's like, oh, am I not over this? Yeah. It's my mom's birth, my mom's death, right? Yeah. And and let's uh, let's also caveat this, right? Um, what do you mean by caveat? Uh, let's let's uh, let's frame it in a way. Um when I go back to an experience, I allow myself to feel it, but I, I, and I can't say the same is true for you, I don't allow myself to get lost in it. Because if I make it into a story, like we did our other episode on storytelling, then we get stuck. Yeah. But if we say, oh, that's also part of me, and let that just be loved, then it just, it dissolves. And I think sometimes we've discussed on this show when we did our Monday show last week that got so many um, comments was uh, that, that do you have compassion and love for that child in you? Or do you feel like, fuck kid, get over it. Just do what they're saying. Just like, mm. are, are you still in that headspace? Are no. you in the loving, like, Oh, that sweet little six year old. I'm so sorry. He had to go through that. Do you feel that depth of compassion for that, for the, the six year old? I haven't given this part of my life much thought. Okay. Like yesterday, because of the show, I came to terms with it. Mm. But if you were to do it now, could you just say, yeah, that six-year-old had it rough and I love him and I'm, I, if I could tell yeah, him. Yeah, it, yeah, I've already done that with other parts of sure. the, the childhood. So yeah, definitely. And like, you know, the typical thing, like if you could say anything to that six-year-old, what would you say? I love you. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. So, so if we connect this to the trusting your experience. So, so the trusting the experience would go in a different directions for me in this discussion, right? Um, you said earlier in the talk, you said, is it about intuition? So I would say it's partly about intuition. If I trust my experience, then I trust that if I follow my intuition and I feel that I'm, my, my personal opinion or my, um, my shadow is guiding me, yeah. then I trust my experience less because I see it isn't my experience, it's my projection. And I'm trying to distinguish that in myself. Mm. So if I say, this guy yesterday, because I'm using that example, he's not responding to what I've just said. That's an observation. Yeah. I don't interpret it. It's an observation because if I say one thing and then there's something asked that has nothing to do with what I just said. So, so I can then tell a story about it or say, oh, what has my experience been when I've interacted with people like this? And then I don't project neg negatively onto the individual. I just say, what can I expect from this interview? And then I go into more of a contemplative state. It's more of a reflective state. Mm. Now, 
if I did what I saw, what I assume and I project onto you, what you did with him was that there was a sense of frustration with him with how he behaved towards us in the interview. When I felt pressured, that was the thing that was alive for me. I, yeah. I, and, I, and I guess I, as I, as I said, I, it wasn't about him. Yeah. But, but feel, this, feel, the, feel the words that came up for you when I felt pressured. So the whole experience of I felt pressured was your lived experience, but he just asked you a question. Yeah. So the fact that you felt pressured is the six-year-old. Projection. Well, I know it's projection, but it's that six-year-old. Like you said, you regressed. You, you said it when we started the show. You said, I regressed to being the six-year-old at the birthday table. Mm. And so when I would say that wasn't your experience, it was also your experience. But because you, I wasn't present. Yes, because you, you weren't present with them. Because what you could have said at that moment, of course, was, you know, it reminds me of when I was six years old. And then it would have been the most beautiful, you know, it would have been the beautiful sharing. But you couldn't go there because there was still a tension that you were, you were feeling pushed, just like the six-year-old was. Yeah. Yeah, and I also wasn't aware that this is what I was feeling. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And nor was I completely, because of course there's always something I but obviously intuitively I knew before and and I also uh afterwards we discussed it a bit as well. Yeah. Um but I guess so when I talk about experience, it's like what is the thing that I feel is the foundation, which if I make a statement I can always go back to that statement and see it came from a clean place and it has very little assumption in it. And that's what makes me more confident when I'm coaching or mentoring people is because I'm not trying to build on assumptions. And you see how testy I get if someone starts making assumptions about me and building a story. I have very low tolerance of that. Yeah. They can build a story as long as they ask the question afterwards, it, how, how was it? But if I hear them build the story with the intention of validating the story, then I, I lose very little interest. And I said, keep your story. I don't even need to defend it. Just because I see a trap is if somebody tells you what you are, doesn't see you on any level, then basically why would I, why would I um, correspond with that? Unless there's fun. In our case, I'll do it with you sometimes. And you'll say, uh, Andy, that isn't the way I experienced it. And, and, and in a way, it's a beautiful that we have that trust of one another, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, when, I, when I started to trust my experience, I could finally be a coach or a mentor. And before then, I was basing my trust and experience on other people's ideologies or belief systems or systems which meant that I wasn't embodying what I was talking about. Mm. And you, you and I both know how important embodying the thing is for us when we're with people. If people talk about somebody else's technique, we get, very, we get disinterested very quickly, at least for me, and I've seen the same yeah. for you. We've got some comments coming in that would be nice. There's been... I also see uh, Mariana, Marian Benani. Yes. I think that was a little bit earlier. She said that she was she was enjoying the interesting reflection. I think that was earlier when we were discussing. I want to share something beautiful about her. Oh, yes, beautiful. Um, I made a post, uh, when was it, four weeks ago? Yeah. On the, and it's fucking great. And I just shared, uh, I'm unfucked. But, uh, but 
at least my my uh, financial situation is fucking me up. <laughs> uh-huh. And then and the next thing I know, she books a shoot uh-huh. uh, from my website to kind of support me. Wow! And I thought she was in Holland because she she's yeah. been working, but actually she was back home. So now she's booked a shoot, and I don't even know when we're going to shoot. But, oh wow! But uh, that is so and, beautiful, Maria. There's a woman that I've met yeah. once. Where'd you meet? Oh, she when she came to Holland, we oh. uh, we met her here on the show together, right? But we, you met her physically, or um, when she visited, when she came to Holland, uh-huh. and I, I think this was. You can tell me when we met uh, Maria. I don't huh. remember anymore. A couple of huh. months ago, yeah. Um, that was our one-time meeting, but huh. uh, her love, yeah. her, like that, such an act, it touched me such in such a deep way. So wow! So thank you, Maria. That's so beautiful. Yeah, people don't know how much September. September she said. That, you know, I talked to Ronnie. It's just to follow on what you just said. I talked to Ronnie today. She wrote, she read an article in the Financial Times about a Dutch uh, doctor who was a heart surgeon. And the heart surgeon shared very vulnerably her experience about how it was to be a woman and deal with a lot of the uh, elites of, of, of the area she lived in. She's very down to earth and she was in a, in Amstelveen with all these wealthy people with long names with von something or other. Yeah. And so she, she was very vulnerable about how that experience was not always easy for her. And it was something Ronnie did, which I, she's never done in my knowing her. She found the woman, wrote her a letter directly, and shared her gratitude and appreciation for her sharing her story so vulnerably and how it inspired her and what she was going through in her own life. And wow. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Wow. And 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 that kind of love is something that I don't I you know, I I, I do my best to give it as much as, as I can and not lose myself and just self sacrifice. And I see that's some of the most beautiful uh the most beautiful moments that I have in my life. And unspoken, because you don't need to tell everyone because then you're not really doing it for the love of doing it. You're trying to get recognition just the love of doing it there's something just beautiful in that yeah Yeah. so thank you mariam thank you mariam let's see let's see she also follows follows up with a statement and everyone has their own pace in opening up it looks like that was a seed for the awareness that came afterwards today yeah absolutely yeah i think that's an interesting thing that people often lose track of is that they see that the bad that what, what what's perceived as a bad moment stops there. So they think like, oh, they were on a show and it didn't go well, that's bad. Mm-hmm. But what one doesn't see, and that's what always a little frustrates me is that it's a process. So if you know that there will be things that happen which are harder to integrate, it's through the integration of the difficult or challenging thing that you learn and grow. So, and each person has to d- decide for themselves the pace that they can welcome that challenge into their life. Some people go, some people really avoid it and it only comes to them in like shapes of like death and health. And people like you, right? You're exaggerated the other way. Like you'll go full frontal into the, to feeling the pain or allowing the pain almost to the point where it's hard to see that you're not loving for me, right? As an outsider, loving how hard it is to do that. In some ways, I'm almost concerned that you're reliving a, a pattern of the past of 
being so hard on yourself that you can't just love yourself for for, for in your suffering. Hmm. That that that's the sometimes what I would what I'll feel right. Project. Project. Yeah, yeah. Project. Here's Bola Long coming in. You just hit me as a parent and how I relate with my children. Such a difficult role. Yeah. Yeah. I always like seeing Bola Long's pictures with the kids, you know. Bola Long is really fun to watch as a as a share on his posts because he always gives <laughs> a kind of a philosophical question or a an observation of the world. And then you kind of see 30 people interact around this, <laughs> the simple statements that he makes, right? It's, uh, I also like his comments to uh, run his uh, public peeing thing. Yeah, what did he say? I don't remember, but it's, it's uh, just like... Ronnie like wrote. Makes sense. Whatever he commented. It was really, it was really funny because Ronnie, the whole day yesterday, we walked. Right, we did a, again a twenty-five thousand step walk. And there's nowhere to pee as a. Woman. And there's nowhere to pee as a woman. So during COVID, during COVID, because you can't even go to into a shop. So I go and along the Amstel, they've got the you know, unlike any country, I don't think any other country in the world has these outdoor toilets that are basically weird. Because if you think about it. You walk to a post standing <laughs> up. There's no coverage. The male goes up. He drops his pants. He's, no, you unzip. You don't drop your pants. I, you know, not from behind. <laughs> well, some people may. I don't. I just drop the front. But what what one doesn't see is you're peeing in public. Yeah, you're peeing in public. Everyone can see you. There's no thing hiding you from the world. You're holding your dingling. You're, you're holding your dingling in public. <laughs> and. and <laughs> And the humor is there's nowhere to wash your hands. There's, of course, there's nowhere to wash your hands. That's a very good point. But the weird thing is, is if you did it against a tree, you'd get fined one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. But if you do it against this pole, that's a designated pee spot, and they smell. Like, oh yeah. Let's just get that straight. Like they stink, they stink. Of course. But if you do it against this thing, all of a sudden it's fine. But you know how does it? Of course, Ronnie is now pondering how is it for women. Yeah. I see women in the in the Wester Park uh, squatting behind yeah, the bushes. Of course, at least that's what they do. Yeah. Well, and then she got in trouble afterwards because she made a comment that was then misinterpreted. She says it's fascinating that if a dog pees anywhere it likes, it doesn't get fined. But if I pee anywhere I like, I get fined. Yeah. And then so she compares herself to dogs. <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, it was, it, so, it then became, it, it then became, what's your issue with dogs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. That is hilarious. Oh, it was I, so funny. And, and how did she get out of that one? She didn't. I tried to, and then it didn't work. I sort of posted to the person who I'll leave nameless. I like, it wasn't about the dog. Yes, but she mentioned the dog for a reason. <laughs> dog lovers, dog lovers. Block them. <laughs> I don't need people like that anymore. Oh, funny. Oh. So again, so when we go back to experience, right? Like in your life, are there any things you'd say, Andy, I don't yet feel like I trust my experience there? Can you feel that? Or where you do trust your experience? Let's take the show from Monday. Okay. And I, I, I actually spoke. Let's phrase it, by the way, because the podcast. So the show on Monday. Shame and loneliness. Watch it. Have tissues. Yes. If you're single. Shame and loneliness. It was Ronnie and I interviewed Bambos. So Bambos was at his home and ba Ronnie and I sat here. 
and we discussed his own journey of shame and loneliness, shame being alone, being single. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if I, if I take that podcast, it was, it was pretty tough. Like I was, I I was sick the whole day before the show. And after the show, I was just sweating in my sleep. It, It was tough. And what I trust, so I don't know if this applies, but okay. what I trusted, I had to out it. Yeah. And we did it in the format of a show. Yeah. Sorry for using this platform to out. Sure. But as soon as I put it out in the open, it kind of left me. Yeah. To It was like, there's something which I'm not talking about. I talk about it. It's gone. And all of a sudden, I feel this freedom in my body, like I can, can breathe deeper. Mm. So trusting trusting that that was the best thing for me to do for my well-being, but I didn't know what the outcome would be. So, it, it, so, and this is how I process the world differently than you. Yeah. So I would say the same thing you just said, but I would say it stronger. How would I say it? You know what I'm. You know what I mean. Uh, stronger. Okay, so I would talk from my experience. So I'd say my experience is that if I hold anything in back in myself, it bleeds into everything else. That's how I'd say. Bam. Bam. And and what and the reason why I say it like that is because I go back to when I started to trust my experience, I could make that statement. And before I trusted my experience, I talk about it more in general terms. Mm. Now I see it more in universal terms. I say, wow, every time I see someone holding something back, I notice that it bleeds into everything else they're not saying or doing. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the thing that I mean when I say experience as, as an example here is when I fully own that experience and then I articulate it, then basically I turn it into like a working principle for life. That's how I... Uh, yeah, that's a skill <clears throat> I haven't been able to... Um, I, I, that's a skill I'm working on. Yeah, okay. Well, what I would love to do is, I don't know how we would do it, but I would say, Andy, what's the principle here? Like really ask that question. Andy, what's the principle here? Yeah, that was the thing. That when you hold something back, it'll bleed into everything else. That's the principle. When I I resisted my dad, when I hated my dad and was angry with him and I didn't want to be angry myself like my dad, Mm. it defined me in the world completely. Because every time I had any interaction, I always avoided being like my dad. Yeah. So for me to get past that, I needed to do similarly to what you did on Monday is fully own that I'm incapable here, that I am just like my dad. And it's okay. And, and, and that's the thing that I now, and since I feel okay with that, you can have a show like Monday and you know, I got a lot of shit for that show. Like everyone chatting, like Andy, are you okay? Andy, you're Stasi. When did you join the SS? I got a lot of shit for that show. Like, yeah. I got the SS comment. When did From you, who? I don't want to name names, but I got Jeez. an SS comment. Like Andy, when did you join the Stasi? Take it easy on Bombos exclamation point exclamation. I got a lot of that because what they don't see and that is that in giving you the platform and letting you let out the steam, letting you get that off your chest. It would have been that. Well, yeah, go on. Oh, no. What were you going to say? 
No, it was that or the, or the video I made. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we did this, but what, what one doesn't understand is that the process of healing is often not for everybody, right? Everyone has their own process. I don't want to say like, but that for you, I know the process is I need to like, let it out. I need to ex- the, the fully, I need to fully show myself, show myself. Yeah. It's a need by the way, for you, right? Yeah. It's, not it's just... like, like I'll tune, I'll tune into what's, what's the thing that I need to do. Yeah. And it's not always comfortable. Yeah. But I know that it would serve me just like doing this show and sitting next to you. It's like mm, sometimes. Yeah. 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 But I, but I I see wonderful Kelsos as a catalyst for uh, me stepping into my power. Yeah. You're going to laugh mm. on my vision board in 2019. I put you there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as as in a, in a way of working together, and yeah, yeah. It kind of started manifesting with when we did authentic relating, yeah, yeah. But then this came up. Oh, beautiful! <clears throat> you know what I think is funny? Is what that, do you find funny, Andy? Shayla? And a little bit irritating. Everyone, I'd like to go back to a subject that we had before, just to clarify on the show. When you say I've read Andy's book fifteen times, yeah, there's like eighty percent of the people out there think you're crazy. Yeah. Okay, and they think that you elevate me. No, I kn- I know that, but they think you elevate. And so so let's. So who fucking cares? I I do. And that's why I'm talking about it. But 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 so, 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 there's a, there's a principle here. There is a principle here. That it, oh <laughs> oh my god! Oh shit! I just pulled out the mic because I was so excited. <laughs> oh my god, Bambos! My eyes are lighting up. <laughs> My eyes are lighting up. Slow down. I'm so with you right now. What is the principle, baby? Own it. What's the fucking principle? It, it's the repetition of things which help me grow and, okay. and integrate. It's the repetition of things. And what was the second thing you said? Which helps me integrate. Which helps you integrate. Yeah. And that's what those people don't see. Yeah. It was the beauty. I spent, you know, when I tell people that I lived working with case for 10 years and I was like a monk or not. Yeah. I lived like a monk under case. Yeah. Like if they saw me then, and a lot of them thought I was crazy then, like, who are you? You used to be a director of a computer company and now you're working, making no money and just like, and, and I was so happy at that time, still am, but I'm saying I was happy giving up everything. And that was really confusing. And, and, and what I learned is that if you're around a certain vibration, call it a vibration, call it a way of being, whatever you want, and you repeatedly see and hear it, it's like an osmosis. You start to embody it without forcing yourself. So I would rather be around an energy than have the energy taught to me. Mm. It follows a, a Buddhist practice. It's a way, as we discussed, I think, on an earlier show, it's the way the Buddhists learn is that it's less about a teaching and more of the younger the younger, I don't know what they refer to the people, the monks around the older monks. And by being around them, they then begin to embody the similar traits and characteristics because they're modeling another behavior. Yeah. So in a way, when you say, I've read the book 15 times, what I hear is you're learning to model a certain behavior that you see you'd like to master. Yeah. What somebody else hears <clears throat> is Andy worship. Right. And then you say it doesn't matter, but I also want to at least address it because I've heard it on three or four occasions now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but this this was the the same kind of 
judgments I got when I was starting my business. I, I listened to certain podcasts, which did talk a bit rough, like you need to do this and you need to do that. And yeah. I listened to that every day on repeat. Okay. Um, and I have to tell you those podcasts, like I didn't have any friends. I, I had to stop talking to everyone because everyone was telling me, get a real job. What are you doing? You're crazy. And yeah, yeah they were right. And I trusted myself. And all the people that were giving me advice were not happy. They were in fucking 40-hour jobs, yeah, getting depressed, getting uh, what you call it when you overwork yourself and then you need to take- Stressed out and having a, a burnout. Like burnout, yeah, in burnouts. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And yeah, they were right. I did hit rock bottom and on that journey- shit worked out so 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 then if in my going back to the show if i take it from your experience what i would then say is that from these experiences you've now just or you could distill more and more <clears throat> principles mm -hmm. about what's worked and then you'll observe that it works the same way in other people that's how i that's how i function now yeah like i say oh this is what i did right it's a limited experience. It's only my experience, but I have to go from there. And now I use that foundation and view the world and say, oh, funny, that experience resembles my experience. And then I begin to shape an understanding, which is always limited, but it's from my experience. Mm. Now, if I read the same experience in a book, I would still have to trust the person who wrote it. I'd have to listen to their prejudices and how they write. I'd have to like distill everything. And then I lose myself again because it's not my experience. It's somebody else's experience. And a lot of times people oversimplify it because they're trying to sell me or get me to understand something that's pr probably more complex than they're able to write. I, I always liked it depends on the context. Yeah, it depends on the context. So, yeah, that's the. So that that would be a thing you see. And it's nice because we have Jessica here and Jessica and I had a similar, uh, call it mentor that was a little bit cases mentor. And he would often discuss these principles I'm now discussing with you. And I learned a lot from him because he said when case went to to him, he, he went to this mentor and he said, hey, I want to uh, my dad has been successful and I really would like to be like my dad. And then the mentor said to Case, he said, you know what? Yeah, I know you're laughing. Um, I, remember, I, I think you've told me this before. Yeah, the mentor said to him, you don't, if you want to understand how to be successful like your dad, then don't think about your dad. What are the principles that your father uses? And then how do you incorporate those into your life? Mm. And then Case began to understand that there was a principle that worked and that if he could just find that in himself and work from that principle but, and I've taught you all those principles. You you probably know whenever it comes to you negotiating with a client, I always pull a principle out. I can tell you like, I think three of them I remember. Do you remember any of them? Because I remember them. I need to, like my brain works and give me a scenario. Okay, the so the principle would be a uh, simple principle I know I've said to you is you don't give away anything unless there is a recognition of value. Yeah. And that was something you'd give, give, give. And I said, no, no more giving. You only give with recognition of value. Mm. Yeah. And and and, you, and 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 I would say from that principle, I, I believe there were learnings that came back. It was like, oh wow, if I give something for free, people don't appreciate the value, and therefore I have to charge them 
or at least force them to recognize the value I'm giving. Otherwise, they don't appreciate it anyway. So giving for free is undermining your business. Yeah. So that was one of those principles I learned. It's not a concept. I didn't read it from anyone else. I just knew because I spent two years giving away free free uh, coaching with Case and nobody showed up and they all thought it was, uh, you know, valueless. And then we charged a few hundred and all of a sudden it became something special. So that that, <laughs> that was one of those moments. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, yeah. So when I talk about the experience, I'm always trying to distill it into a principle and then use it as a working assumption because it'll always be limited. I just don't, I need to start somewhere. And I th- definitely, th- and that's the reason why I think the, the coaching, yeah, like this point that you just made, I have to start from somewhere. Yeah. This is why I trust you is because you're not being absolute. Like I feel that there's a flexibility in your, in your statements to explore or to redefine it. Yeah, but a lot of people and, would, and wouldn't say that. A lot of people have an idea or a belief about how it should yeah. be, yes. and they hold so firmly into it. And, it's, and you know, I, I get it. It's like you have to do that if you're a visionary. Yeah. But someone that holds it so tightly, it feels like there's no space for a dialogue to grow or, like, where might it not work? It's yeah, like, there, there, but there isn't. So you're right. And And, and that would be again, a functioning principle for me. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, And that's the weird paradox because that's how it gets really paradoxical. I know that I can always trust in my experience and at the same time, I know my experience is always limited. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to hold paradox like that and navigate through life isn't easy for people. Because you have to be confident enough to say something and then at the drop of a dime say everything I said was stupid. <laughs> like you really have – like I, I spoke – we had a guest on Frank Diaz who is the mindfulness coach mm-hmm. at uh, at Indiana University. We did a great show with him some, he some months ago. He was also in your book. He was also in the book, right? And I was with Frank and I told him how to do his marketing for a half an hour without knowing all the details. And, 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 and then he said, Andy – I'm gearing my 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 mindfulness practices to education and not to the private sector. And then I didn't know that at the beginning. And then I looked at his website and I judged it through the eyes of somebody who would want to buy it on the private sector. And he said, no, this is for the education. And then after discussing it for an hour, I said, Frank, everything I said to you was bullshit. <laughs> and he laughed and he said, and, and it was like a connected experience. He understood exactly what happened. And it was after being really convincing for half an hour, I then shifted on the dime because there was a new detail. Yeah. yeah. Th- that's beautiful. And that kind of is what I'm saying. But that, the, the, going back to the paradoxes, it is not easy to live in paradox. It just isn't. To hold two sides of a, of a, of a tension and not have it resolve and allow it to unfold. You know, people need more control than that. So... <laughs> That's really, uh, it's something you have to cultivate, right? There's been comments coming in. I don't know if you're tracking them. Let's, uh, we can start with uh, Iris. Just, we'll just acknowledge Iris saying, it's very annoying the lack of public toilets in parks and in general in Amsterdam for women. I feel you, sister. <laughs> you can talk to Ronnie about that one. She's been complaining for a day or two on that. Yeah, and yes, Jessica says, of course, 
When you hold back, it, it bleeds, bleeds into, into everything. everything. Yeah. It will bleed into everything back. But what if you can feel it, but has no words? Like old stuff from before having words, how to communicate in, in a words world. I find it difficult. How does that resonate for you? I'm not sure. I see you in what I'm reading right now. Okay, so it's me feeling sometimes and not being able to put words to it. It goes back to the, the, the session we had yesterday. We were in a session. The guy wasn't meeting us and what we were saying. And you, at the end, had trouble, what I said and we discussed, had trouble putting into words what your experience was. And therefore, when you did, it came out a little bit sloppy. Yeah. It, it actually made him feel... Like I was pointing the finger at him. But it, it, and it I was. And you were. So in that way, uh, that's what I hear her saying. And I and, I, and this is something I'm, I, I'm growing in in myself all the time. And I think it's when I to told you lately, holding space is more important than trying to solve anything. Because in space, people can solve things at the pace that they're comfortable solving them. And when Jessica says this, in the masculine world of, say, therapy or, you know, we often say, hey, tell me what's wrong. And then as Jessica's pointing out here, sometimes people can't do that. And they maybe need a lot of space to be able only to feel what it is, but to even put it into words is like, is, a, is just not possible. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. what I've been learning from you is don't think about what you're going to say. Just allow yourself to begin the sentence and see what words come out. And normally those words, you can trust that they are on point. Yeah. I would take it at maybe a little nuance to what you said is I will speak the words and I'll hear what's said and allow myself to feel how they make me feel. To feel the deeper truth. To feel the deeper truth. Because a lot of times people don't want to say the words because they're like, that might not be true. I have to make sure what I'm going to say is true. And I'd rather say it like I'm really lonely or I'm never going to be over my mom's death. Oh, yeah. We did that on Monday again on my yeah. show Yeah, with uh, single and shame. Yeah. What did you ask me? You asked me. Well, it's the hardest thing for you to say. I said on Monday. Oh, yeah. And then. I said. Um, no, first you said, Andy, are you trying to. Are you trying to heal me? Are you trying to fix me or something? That was the first thing you said. Yeah. And and then without thinking, those words came out. Yeah. Like, I want love. Yeah. And actually, that evolved the next day. Oh, yeah. I, I have love and I want to share that. How beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Jessica says something else that looks a little bit added to what she just said. Plus, the stigma of pain and loneliness it holds me back to share. People are uncomfortable, or better said, if I feel uncomfortable to make others uncomfortable, it is so counterintuitive. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. So I don't want to share something because I know when I share it, I make the other person uncomfortable. But in not sharing it, I stay uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mind fuck actually, because now... In sharing where I finally can make comfort, then the other's uncomfortable. And now I can't solve their discomfort. Now I'm I'm having to coach them. It was no different. I remember, I think I mentioned on the show, when I was first coming to grips with making peace with the idea of love. 
I saw how confusing love was and how I was mess- mixing it up myself. And I told my brother, I remember, you remember this one? It said, I can't say I love you. And it wasn't that I didn't love him. I was just making sense that actually love was finally like, this isn't the constant thing. I have feelings of love and then the feelings of love go away. And I was starting to feel the difference between this concept of eternal love and this concept of feelings of like, sometimes I really love Ronnie and sometimes I hate her. And that's okay, you know? And so I was dealing with that with my brother who wasn't capable at that moment at all of processing. So I said, I can't say I love you. And that lingered in him for years afterwards. I was like, how old were you? Uh, this would have been in my 30s when I was first coming to grips with dealing with the distinctions of this this confusion around personal and impersonal. We'll do another show on that whole. Hmm. And, personal and impersonal. Yeah, and he couldn't see that it was impersonal. It was something I was going through. So I hurt him unintentionally and for years later. And it's only much later he said, oh, I finally understood what you're saying now. Okay, nice. Yeah, but that 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 was uh, that was uh, a hard thing at that time. Wow. We've come to the end of our hour. Yeah, what a beautiful time together. Do you believe that we filled it up? I have no doubt we will fill up our hours, that's for sure. <sighs> on, a, wa- on a wonderful, wonderful chaos. chaos. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it down.